Carolina, and this recording is from one of our church services. For more information, visit our website at churchofphiladelphia.com. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy the message. Amen. Amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, we are going to flip over to the book of First John. We're going to flip over to the book of First John like some gymnastics, and we are going to land on verse number 18, please. So if you can indulge me, but please honor our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I know we're not together as of yet, but we still want to stand to honor the reading of God's holy word. Amen. So first John chapter number four, and we're landing on verse number 18. And here begins the reading of our holy God's word. It says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he have seen, how can he love God whom he have not seen? And this commandment have we from him that he who loveth God loveth his brother also. You could be seated in the presence of our living God. Amen. And this morning, the title that we are attempting to work with on this morning is simply this take the limit off. I know we are accustomed to saying take the limits, uh, but this morning we don't necessarily want to talk about anything poor per se. We want to take the limit off. And as you can see, according to the reading of the word, the particular limit that we are talking about is that of fear. Fear is the thing that has been limiting us when it comes to being able to receive love and give love in its proper context, according to the Bible. Amen. So we want to take the limit off. So here we are in the book of First John, which we know to be a book that is written by uh, the Apostle John. He was also known as the Apostle or the disciple that Jesus loved or the Apostle of love. Right. And we understand this about John. His name simply means Jehovah is a gracious giver or Jehovah has been gracious or simply put, God is a gracious giver or God has been gracious towards me. Uh, we know who was John, and this is what we know about John. He was a son of Zebedee and Salome, right? Uh, he was also called uh, one of the sons of thunder. So he's the younger brother of James, and both James and John were known as the sons of thunder, right? He was a fisherman by profession, right? And he was also, out of these 12 disciples, he was the youngest of the 12 disciples, right? And so let me say he's one half of the sons of thunder, right? And so even when you talk about thunder, we know thunder to be a loud sound, right? And Pastor Ivan kind of went a little further in that definition, a scientific definition. I, I have to leave that to the teachers. I, thunder is a sound, a loud sound that either proceeds or comes after lightning, right? And so when you think about John, uh, the, the message that John was speaking as he was declaring that Jesus Christ is the son of the living God, is the Messiah, right? And so that has been his message as he's been presenting Jesus Christ as the Son of God, the Messiah. And so that, that message, it, it, it echoes loud in the ears of the believers. It echoes loud in the ears of those who will hear the word of God. And so just like the message in and of itself is something that is loud, the very writings of John in and of itself is loud because he's a son of thunder. So the very thing that he's speaking about, writing about, it is loud. It is something that is going to make noise, right? And so not only that, right, we understand that he was one of the primary three. 
right? And when you think about the levels, you know, there was the 70 disciples, then there was the 12, right? But then you have the three who were actually what Jesus would allow to come and do things with him, right? So the 12 didn't necessarily have the same access as the three. But then when you see, when we go back to our foundational scripture in the book of John chapter number 13, when it talks about uh, the disciple who laid his head in the bosom of Christ, we see he is referred to as the disciple that was loved by Jesus or the apostle of love, right? Here denoting that he had even a greater access than the three, right? He laid his head in the bosom of Jesus himself, right? So that's, that's the other thing. Uh, he's the disciple that Jesus loved. He's known as the apostle of love, right? And so we, we oftentimes ask this question, what qualifies John to be able to write the gospel of John as well as these particular books or the book of Revelation known as the Revelator, right? Uh, because simply put, he had a revelation of not just who Jesus Christ is. He had a revelation of who God is, but more importantly, he had a revelation and an understanding of what love is and how we're supposed to love. And that's one of the things that qualifies qualifies him to be able to write about this particular subject in this particular book. So we see what qualifies him. We see his devotion towards Jesus Christ. Not only that, we see his love and adoration for Jesus Christ. And then we also see his intimacy with Christ as he laid his head in the bosom of Jesus Christ, right? So as we journey over to this particular book, 1 John, and we find ourselves in chapter number four, this particular book, John is writing to the believers in Asia Minor, right? And what he's dealing with, he's writing to assure the believers of the certainty of the faith that they believe in Jesus Christ. Christ as being their Messiah, uh, as being the Son of God. And remember, those are one of the two key concepts that uh, John is writing about, that Jesus indeed is the Son of God, not just that, but he is also the Messiah. And so you got to understand, as he's reassuring them of their certainty of their faith in Jesus Christ, because not only that, he, he wanted to let them know and remind them and reassure them, not only was he the Messiah and the Son of God, but he was also fully man, but yet he was also fully God at the same time. And so what he was dealing with was some false teachers in this particular day who were writing against the teachings of John, trying to teach heretical teachings, you know, uh, coming against the doctrine that John was presenting before the people. And so part of what John is writing is to come against, refute all these different things that these false teachers were actually coming against, you know, uh, 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 Gnosticism. And one of the things about Gnosticism, it talks about the human flesh as being something evil. So if indeed the human flesh is something evil, we know God was fully man or Jesus was fully man, right? Denoting that he was, that a portion of who Christ is, you know, his makeup, meaning his human form, his human body is evil. So John has to refute all of these different things by speaking about uh, and reassuring the believers that their faith in Jesus Christ, it is a sure thing that he is indeed the Messiah and he is the son of God, but not just that, he was fully God, but fully man all at the same time. Amen. And so when he begins to write, you know, uh, refuting these false teachers dealing with the Gnosticism, right, there were some key truths that John begins to write to authenticate the Christian faith. One is that Jesus is the Messiah, like we talked about, the Son of God. And then two is that he's writing to get us to obey the commands of Jesus Christ. And then the third thing that he writes about, this third key, this third truth that he writes about is our love for the brothers and sisters within the family of the beloved. 
So these are the different things that John the Revelator began to write about. And again, he's qualified to write about that because of his revelation of who Jesus Christ is, but not just his revelation of who Jesus and the Father is, but his revelation and understanding of what love is, right? And so we have been in this particular sermon series called Leading with Love, and our foundational scripture has been found in the book of John. The book of John, chapter number 13, verses 34 and 35, which is a new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. And 35 says, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one to another. And we have been talking about leading with love. The word lead is simply defined as this right here. Uh, to guide on their way, especially by going in advance. And so uh, even as we talked about on last week and Pastor Ivan came and followed up in Bible study, uh, before the foundation of the world, we understand God chose us in him, meaning God went in advance of showing us how to love, how to love on other people. You understand? So he was showing us the way how to love in a proper, healthy way. Uh, so, so Lee talks about to God on a way, especially by going in advance to direct on a course or in a direction. So he directs us on the way or the course that we need to be and in in life, that course or that direction is love. And it says to be first in or among or showing the way. So he's showing us, and the scripture even talked about one of the verses that we read, matter of fact, verse number 19 in our scriptures on today, we love him because he first loved us. He's showing us, it says, that in order to lead, you have to be first in doing something or among something. So God shows us, I'm going to be the first to show you how to love. And one thing that I can appreciate about God, God is never asking us to do anything that he himself has not already done. So he's showing you how to, to actually love, or he's showing you the way to love. And we talked about his love was sacrificial. Uh, uh, it, it was a self-giving love, right? And so I, I can appreciate that about love, uh, about God, I should say, showing us how it's supposed to be done. And then when you talk about uh, leading, we move to the word with. Don't go to the word with. We move to the word with, right? With is simply defined as in some particular relation to, especially in fine interaction, company, association, or correction. All these things are uh, uh, examples or uh, 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 demonstrations of what we talk about love. So we see God went, he showed us how to do it, you know? With our interaction, as we see his interaction with us, the company that he keeps, if we look at the company that God keeps, when we look at uh, uh, that intimate relationship between he and the disciples, so we see the company that he kept around him, right? Uh, so a bunch of ragtag group of men, uh, some who cuss, businessmen cuss, some who were married, some might have been single, whatever the case may be. What was simply pointing to, when you look at all the dynamics of their life, the company that he kept was a bunch of people that had issues. Real people with real issues, but they served or they were in relationship with a real God. So we see the interaction and the company and the association, right? We see even the association aspect. Look at where Peter was in denial of him. They said, uh-uh. The little girl said, uh-uh. You sound just like him. You, you understand? So we can see the association aspect of when you spend time 
align with folk, right? And I'm talking about when you have an adoration and admiration for them, a true respect for them, a love for them, a healthy love and respect for them. And I'm talking about just simply a downright adore them. Listen, that's why you find folk, they sound like one another. And if they ain't careful, they'll start dressing like one another. And, and that's nothing, it's not a bad thing. Listen, it just speaks to the association that we have, the level of relationship that we have with one another. That's all it's saying. And then you talk about the correction. Now, we see all throughout the scripture, Christ would rebuke them. And I like the fact that when you see the different words in the scripture, you know, things like, oh, you little faith, or you brood of vipers, I would have an exclamation behind it, denoting that Christ, uh, he might have raised this voice at them. You understand what I'm saying? Because uh, they, they were some hard-headed individuals, grown men, right, used to doing their own things, you understand, fully grown men used to doing their own thing when they want, how they want, and with who they want, right? But here is somebody now stepping in, telling them, no, what you just did, that's wrong. Uh, and, and don't let it be that they believe in their heart of hearts that they truly have faith. No, you ain't got no faith. Oh, ye a little faith. He, he's corrected. I'm talking about hard corrections. This is a demonstration of love, right? So this is God leading with love. I'm so glad that in this definition of love, there is that word correction because that is a major demonstration of love, correction, right? So then love is simply defined as affection based on admiration, benevolence, or common interest. Common interest. It becomes easy to love folks that you have things in common with. You know, I like basketball. You like basketball. You understand? I like football. You like football. Uh, or, or I like tennis and you like tennis. Now, that was for you, MK. You understand? Uh, it becomes easy to talk to you and deal with you because we have common interests, right? There is a commonality that we have about ourselves, right? That common interest right here makes it very, very simple to talk to you. We can even throw Jesus into the equation when we're talking about our common interest, right? It becomes easy to bring Jesus into this common interest, but it becomes very, very challenging and difficult for most of us when we feel we don't have anything in common with the other people that we have been forced to engage because as a believer, we're supposed to be all be evangelists, right? Bidding those to come. And so we have been forced to have to talk to people that we may not have the same common interest with, right? And so it becomes very, very challenging to have conversations with and we find ourselves scratching our head and, and, and looking around and you know waiting for somebody to come and rescue us why are we in the middle of these conversations but I found that he because he is omnipresent you could talk about him I don't care what the conversation is about I remember having a conversation with one of my homeboys talking about basketball, and I, and I told them how God utilized my leader to talk to me, to get me to understand how much of a leader I was by speaking to me in basketball terminology, speaking to me as the point guard. The point guard is the one who's the one that mainly has the ball in his hand, bringing the ball up the court. He's directing all his other teammates in, in the position where they need to be on the court. He's the one that's calling out the play, so he typically is the leader of the team, right? Telling them, this is the play we're getting ready to run. You have got to be over here. You've got to be over here. Be ready with this. This is all this, this, and the other, right? So it shows that no matter what you're talking about, because God is an omnipresent God, he is everywhere at the same time. No matter what you talk about, it is possible to bring Christ into the conversation. It is possible to bring Jesus into the conversation. 
Love is also defined as warm attachment, enthusiasm, or devotion. And for most of us, uh, when you think about it, we may be attached to people, but it may not be a warm attachment, you know? Lust may be the thing that's binding you, attaching you to people. Lust of the eyes or lust of the flesh or, listen, y'all common interests that are pride. Both of y'all are very prideful individuals, and this is y'all attachment right here. Uh, but when you look at these particular attachments, there is no enthusiasm. So when you're dealing with love, there is an enthusiasm because we are attached to one to another when we haven't been in one another's company when we do come into the company one another we are excited to see one another we are excited to embrace one another to hear one another it, see, it makes more and more sense to me when uh, a apostle he comes and we hear apostle or someone like a mother deborah you hear them and they they are just so excited like a mother brown they're like hey how you doing baby and, hey daughter you know how apostle daughter Hey, son, and I just be like, what's up? <laughs> you understand? Now, don't, now, don't get it twisted. I do love you, but you know, I'm not as enthusiastic as those folk are. You know what I mean? God is working on my love. It doesn't mean that I don't love you. I'm just saying I'm just not as enthusiastic as them. You know? Uh, it, it, it talks about this warm attachment or enthusiasm or devotion. Now, I am devoted to people. You got to understand. It's just a part of my makeup. I am committed. I am devoted, right? And Pastor Ivan really talked about it on last Wednesday, right? The love is also defined as unselfish loyalty and benevolent concern for the good of another. So the fact that you are, are, are demonstrating your concern for someone else and see, uh, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to do a, a, a self-examination of yourself. Just how concerned are you about someone else's good, right? Uh, simply put, Prophetess Satara tells us every week, she said, listen, call somebody, text somebody, check on somebody. If you have not called somebody and checked on somebody. I'm not, I'm not talking about your auntie. I'm, 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 I'm not talking about your, your sister, the one that y'all chitty chit chat with. I, I, no, I'm talking about somebody else. If you haven't called and checked on somebody else, well, it was showing us that you may not be as concerned as you want us to believe, you know, for the good of another individual. Because think about it, you know you and you know what you deal with throughout the course of your week, throughout the course of your day, and oh, the thoughts that you have, if somebody would just check on me, or when somebody actually does check on you, you say to yourself, man, it felt good that somebody checked on me, man. It felt good that somebody was being mindful of me. It felt good that somebody called to ask me, how was I doing? Listen, if you felt like that, then imagine, because we're all created the same Imagine how someone else would feel if that's how you felt. Oh, I'm talking to myself, talking right to myself. You got to understand I'm talking to myself. So we're talking about leading with love. And then one of the other words that we've been dealing with here in the Greek is the word agape. Uh, agape love, denoting ye love or denoting you love. And simply defined in the Greek, it is saying a pure, willful, a pure. There's no crazy motives of, of you know, I just love you because of you. I, I just love you because of you. I, I just love you not because of what I can get. I just love you not because I'm trying to get close to you or get somewhere. You know, I just love you because of you. And it is willful. I, I, it's, it, you know, uh, 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 we used to sing this song back in the church. The, the Jesus in me loves the Jesus in you. Why? Because you're easy, 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 easy to love. You understand? And if we are all believers and we all say we got the Holy Ghost down on the inside, then we should be 
be easy or it should be easy to love one another. And for the love of God, I can't understand why is it such a difficult thing when you say you got Jesus and I say I got Jesus and they say they got Jesus. But it seems to be very, very challenging for us to love one another. But the Psalms say, because uh, you're easy to love. It's the Jesus in you, loving on the Jesus in me, that makes you and I easy to love. You understand? So it becomes easy, a willful thing. I want to love on you. But I found out that love has limitations. You understand? Your, your love and my love, it has limits. We got limits on our love, right? Uh, let me get back to this definition. A pure, willful, a pure, willful. No, 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 I want to go back to God. A, a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally, uh, to, 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 when you're being or flowing or operating in the agape love, denoting you love, you have been intentional about the desire of someone else's highest good. In other words, think about how you take care of you. Think about how you are mindful of you or your spouse or your baby or your children. You know, how you intentionally think about you wake up with them on your mind. You wake up thinking, what do they need and what can you do for them and how can you provide for them? This is how you should be thinking about the body of Christ. The other believers that are part of the body, the family of the beloved. This is how you should be thinking about them. You should be in intentional about calling them, intentional about texting them, intentional about checking on them, making sure they have what they need. Y'all know we've been in a pandemic. Uh, things seem to be turning. I don't know how much they turn, but I'm just saying. But nevertheless, you still should be concerned about the welfare or the good of an individual. Right? This is the agape love. This is the agape love. And so when we come to the title of the text, we're saying take the limit off. And now this word limit is simply defined as, it is simply defined as a point or a level beyond which something does not extend past. So we're talking about your love, your love and my love and your sister love and your mama love. It has a limit on it. If we go ahead and be true, uh, uh, God began to speak to me about this limit that we have on our love, right? Because um, the men met yesterday, and, and one of the brothers began to talk about how their patience has a limit. As soon as he said, my patience has a limit, God began to say, he said, just like that brother's patience has a limit, so do y'all love has a limit. Your love has a limit. He wasn't just talking to me. He was talking to me, but he was talking to me about us. Your love has a limit, right? And, and, and when you think of about that right there. Uh, think of some of the reasons why you really love folk, right? Some of the things that you see about people will make it difficult or hard for you to love them. For example, some of us can't get past certain people's looks. Yeah, yeah. I, I love you when you look good. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and what I found out, even if you are a, a very handsome or attractive female, if you have foul or nasty behavior, your behavior will make you attractive appear ugly to me. I know to me. I don't care how beautiful you are or how handsome I think you are. Understand, if your behavior is foul, it makes you who were once attracted to 
to me become physically ugly to me. You understand? So what I'm trying to get you to understand, the truth be told, some of y'all love based upon how a person looks. Yeah, the physical looks, uh, it, it, it puts a limit on how you love them. Think about it. For those of us who are a little challenged and I look, my children call it a glow up. You understand? Listen, uh, when you was smaller or younger back then, you were very challenging, you know, for me. <laughs> I had some issues. I had some issues. My skin was too tone color. My ears were sticking out a little bit. Fine. Thank God I done grew into them and all this good stuff. Now my skin is just one color in my face. You know, I had some challenges. I ain't afraid to talk about it. You understand? Because what I also understand, when you talk about this type of love, when it comes to family, family has taught you to be secretive. You learn how to keep secrets in family. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get into that. I don't know, but I'm just saying. I had some challenges back in the day. So my kids, my kids say, Daddy, that's called a glow up. I said, so, so y'all trying to say I had a glow up? And, and, and they don't necessarily give me no direct yes, right? They just they just kind of laugh and put their hand over their mouth. And be like, now, I'll tell you this right here. I'll tell you this right here. Uh, my, my, my mother sent a picture, a, a family portrait of me and all my four brothers and my mom and dad. And they looked at all the brothers and they could tell who everyone was. They said, this is uncle such and such. This is Uncle Such and Such, and this granddaddy, and this grandma, and this is Uncle Such and Such. But they asked my mama, where is my daddy? <laughs> I had to laugh and say, you foul devil, that's me right there, the funny looking one, that's me. Oh, daddy, oh, daddy, you, oh. I said, that's all right, so what you trying to say? What you trying to say? What you trying to say? Because you look just like me. You look just like me up and down, spin image of me. I, I see, This is what I tell my wife. This is what I tell my wife. You just carried them for nine months. I carried them for over 20 some odd years. You got to understand. Yeah, I carried them for over 20 some odd years. Uh, I just let you do the, what they call the difficult part. You understand? I, I just gave them to you for nine months, but I carried them for 20 some odd years, so they look just like me. So understand that's 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 how I get back at my wife when I when I want to be vengeful that's how I get back at my wife because you know women they quick to let you know that that was me who came in there that was me who dealt with morning sickness okay I carried them twenty plus years to your nine months how about that. Uh, you ain't gonna have one up on me. And, and when you think about it, even how you love, folks, uh, listen, we are always trying to one up on people too, right? Because again, your love has limits. There is a point or a level beyond which something does not extend past. For some of us, it's looks, right? Uh, then again, it is behavior. Uh, you, 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 you'll say things like this but I love you, but I don't like your ways. I don't like your ways. Well, I don't like your behavior per se. And if you're being honest, uh, how a person behaves, uh, we don't know if this thing is demonic, the origin of this thing is demonic, or that is just something embedded or ingrained in their DNA, their makeup. And, and if it is going to be a change, that change has to come by Jesus Christ. You understand? Uh, how do I know this? Because there were certain things in me. It's not demonic. It is just in my DNA. For example, I I have come to the conclusion after hearing several people say, Lincoln, you yell a lot, right? So I have just made up my mind that when I describe myself, I make sure I say, I'm a yeller. I yell, I yell, I yell, right?
right? Uh, I yell when it's having fun. I yell when it's nothing to be, uh, you know, nothing to necessarily be excited about, right? Uh, I, I just want to be heard. I, I just want to make sure I'm being heard. And so uh, uh, being a yeller is part of my DNA. Now, if you want me to stop yelling, then you're going to have to pray for God to change something in my DNA, right? So, 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 so get it. There are certain things or certain behavior traits about us that it will cause people's love toward us to have a I can't go past because I, I don't like that right there about them. It is something about your character makeup that folk can't get past, right? Uh, and so understand, if it's not your behavior, then it's your attitude. It's your attitude. It's your attitude. You, you understand? Uh, folk, folk will say you have a bad attitude. And if it's not a bad attitude, it's a nasty attitude. I, I'm just trying to lay a little bit of foundation because we're talking about take the limit or why you can't love the way God wants you to love, right? But some of y'all, it's people's attitude, you know, their attitude towards you, their attitude about things you believe in, the attitude about things that you like, their attitude about things that you respect, things that you honor, and they seem to have a different opinion about that, and their opinion, it rubs you the wrong way, and so it shows in their attitude, and you have a problem with their attitude, but you don't mind hugging them, you don't mind telling them, I love you, but deep down on the inside, there was a limit to your love. We're not saying you don't love them. We're simply asking you, do you love them the way the revelator is telling you you're supposed to love? The commandment that he's reinforcing that Christ gave us, you're supposed to love them as he loved us, right? This is all I'm trying to figure out. Do you love them like this with their bad attitude, with their nasty attitude, with their foul attitude? Do you still love them the way he loved you? Because you haven't always been so poised and pious, you understand? Uh, you haven't been so polished. It's only because he loved you and cleaned you up and you experienced his grace and his mercy and the truth of God. But before you met and had interaction with him, before, 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 before he interrupted your life, you got to understand. You were not that polished, sweetheart. No, you wasn't. Uh, you weren't that polished, brother man. No, you wasn't. You was a hot mess. And, and so you got to understand, there were some people, many people who had an issue with you because you were a hot mess. You were foul. You, you, uh, you just go ahead and be real. This is all I'm trying to get you to understand, right? If, if it's not the attitude, right? It's them being a mirror of you yourself. Some of us are, 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 are put a limit on our love for other people because of how much they remind us of ourselves. <laughs> uh, and when you fail uh, to examine yourself, uh, what I like about God is he's such a helper. He's going to put someone in front of you that consistently reminds you of yourself. Uh, yeah, you trying to figure out how you sound? Look at the person in front of you. You trying to figure out how you at? Look at the person in front of you and see you. the, the truth so you're so frustrated with them. You're so irritated with them because you say they just don't listen and they, they don't respect me like that. And they just get on my nerve. And I wish they would do this. And I wish they would do that. Child, you are really talking to yourself. Oh, but you have not been man or woman enough to admit that I'm really talking to myself. That's just another. That's just me with a different face in front of me. That's just a different angle, a different side of me. You sound like me and you act like me. See, I'm talking about 
when you really get in some good prayer, let God deal with you, and you come out of that prayer, you'll say to yourself, when you look at the, oh my God, that is me, that is me, that is me. Oh, come on, come on, parents. When we really get in prayer, really, really, really good, going to go pray about our children and talk to God about our children and trying to intercede for them. You know, there are some times where you came to intercede, God will start talking to you about you. I, I know you came to talk about your children, but I want to talk to you about you. Uh, I know you said how they feel like they're so disrespectful and they don't listen, they don't have no inner hearing, and then I'll be nothing you said. You're so frustrated with them, and you just asking me to change them. But before I change them, let them see how change the process of change just walked out. They don't know how to change because they ain't saw no true changing you. I want to show them how to change by changing you in front of them. And so the reality when you come out of prayer real good and God has got a good hold on you, it's this is when you come out and say, you know what? That that's me. That's me. See, then you'll back up and you'll be a little bit more understanding that, Lord, that is me right Oh, that is me. That is me right there. I used to talk to my daddy like that. I used to act fickle with my mama like that. I, I used to be hard-headed, too. I, I used to shrug my shoulders, too. I used to roll my eyes, too. I, when they left, I would whisper cuss, too. You understand? I used to shoot birds when they closed the door. I did all of that. So why are you surprised that they doing it? Because they're imitating what was in their bloodline. Uh, they had a they had a leader who taught them how to respond like this. They had a leader who taught them how to act crazy and be foul. Why are you all surprised and clutching your pearls because they acting like this? They saw you. They saw you. They saw you. No, you don't do that now. But it's, it's something that's written in their DNA. Uh, oh yeah, oh yeah. And it came straight from your side of the family. It came straight from your spouse side of the family. It's written in their DNA. I'm just trying to get you to be honest. When you come out of his presence real good, you'll say, that's me right there. You'll even get honest to the fact that you'll begin to tell, let me tell you something. I did that. that I did the same thing you're doing. I did that. But see, again, some of us are afraid to tell the truth. You want to keep that secret. See, your family has taught you how to be secretive. And see, what one thing about Jesus, that was no, everything was in the open. Within this, this relational circle that they had, it was in the open. It was about being honest with one another. It was about dealing with the truth. Now, there are some things that we speak in, con in confidence where, where we keep it. But it is not spoken with the intent for it to be a secret. It's not spoken with the intent for it to be a secret, right? So it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. There is no fear in love, right? And again, the limit that is hindering most of us uh, from having the healthy, proper relationships that God desires for us, whether it's with our spouses, with our children, within the body of Christ, other family members, spiritual or natural family members, it is the limit of fear, right? And fear in the Greek is simply talking about to be afraid. Now I want to ask you the question, what are you afraid of? Typically, when I talk about fear, I would oftentimes say, go to church. If you're scared, go to church, uh, not right now, we're not in the necessarily building, but you are having church right now in your house. So you're in a good place. You're in a good place if you are afraid to be loved or you're in a good place if you are afraid to receive love. He said, but there is no fear in love. So if, if, if we looked at your love and there is any element, any component of fear, Fear in your love, then it is not the love of Jesus. It is not the love of the love, the Lord our God, right? He said, there is no fear in love. And this love again is the, the agape. The agape, simply put, is talking about what? Ye love, right? Give me that definition for agape, ye love. 
where it's talking about having a pure, a willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good. If there is any fear in you carrying this out, meaning any fear in you having a pure, willful, sacrificial love that intentionally desires another's highest good, it is not the love of God. And the limit that we are trying to, to eradicate from the lives of the people of God today, it is that of fear. He said, there is no fear in love, but perfect love, perfect love casteth out fear. Right. This word perfect in the Greek is simply talking about complete and applications of labor. Right. And see, there were some of you, you feel you have to work for somebody's love. Yeah. Have you ever felt like that? Do you know somebody? Can you relate when you feel like you're working for somebody's love? They don't love you how you love them. And you just for the love of God can't seem to make no sense of this thing right here. Uh, uh, we both said I do. But then one of you was saying, what did I do? I, I don't even know what I did. I, at one point in my life, I said I do. But now I'm just saying, what did I do? I, I'm trying to make sense. Do I even still want to be here? Do I still want to be with this individual? No, you said I do. And, and guess what? You do still want to be with them. You just have to get past your fear. You just have to get past your fear. That's all. He said, but when there is perfect love, again, first definition is talking about love. This, this love is complete in this application work, meaning I ain't got to work for your love anymore. I ain't working to be loved by you anymore. You, you understand? You're just going to love me because of who I am. You're just going to love me because he commanded you to love me, right? So I ain't got to work for your love anymore. Neither do you have to find yourself working for my love anymore, right? So it talks about being complete in the applications of your labor, right? Or growth. Being complete also in your growth mentally and, and your moral character. See, some of us, uh, uh, we, we fall short or we feel we're inadequate when it comes to loving on people because, listen, mentally, you're just not there. You, you haven't grown to the place where you have got to love folk, right? You, it's still all about you. You can't, see, you can't love folk the way God said love folk because you're still selfish. Your love is still, uh, or your attention is still upon you. You're still trying to figure out how folk are going to love you. And you're still trying to figure out whether or not they're meeting your demands and commands uh, or your commands and demands, if you want to put it like that. You understand? So it makes it very, very difficult or challenging for you to love on someone else. And for you to actually be loved upon because you can't think about nobody but you, right? So we see you're not being intentional about no one else's highest good because all you can think about is you. See, you're thinking about that natural trinity, me, myself, and I. When you're not thinking about me, you think about I. And when you're not thinking about I, you're thinking about myself, you understand? But you're not thinking about him, and you're not thinking about her, and you're not thinking about them, and you're not thinking about us or we. You're just thinking about who. And see, it becomes very, very difficult for you to go mentally beyond this limit of fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. But what if they know this about me? Will they still love me the same? Will they still treat me the same? Will they still want to be around me? Will they still choose me? Well, you ain't gave nobody the opportunity because you still want to abide in secrets. Uh, this thing that your family has taught you. And if you really get honest, when you look inside your family, it's because of secrets that y'all can't have no healthy, proper relationship. Uh, secrets won't allow 
y'all, to be honest, right? Because we say, listen, not only is giving an expression of love, but you know somebody loved you when they're willing to tell you the truth. But you around here trying to protect folks with secrets. And that's why y'all ain't got no healthy love in y'all family because of secrets. You understand? Oh, but but he said, perfect love casts out all fear. You have got to grow up mentally, right? And then he begins to talk about your moral character. Your character is a when you don't allow yourself to be loved properly or when you don't allow yourself to give love properly, your character is affected, right? And, and, and I'm so blessed by this thing because, you know, as we've been working on this book, we were talking about how uh, our character has been affected, right? And, and, and as God was ministering to us, it, 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 let me put it like this. Do you know somebody and can you relate where you have had to wrestle with a demon, you know? A demon had possession of you. A demon had suppression or oppression at some point in your life. Well, well, if you had any interaction with a demonic force, the first thing this demon was messing up was your character. Let me give you an example, right? Before I got delivered, set free, and made whole from the spirit of anger, everybody, when they came in contact with they would always say, what's wrong with him? Why is he so mad? What is he angry about? And I returned was like, I nobody mad at nothing. I'm not mad. I'm not an angry individual but because there was another force in operation the first thing that this spirit was tearing down was my character it did not allow me to grow in my character it had arrested development within my character you understand what i'm saying it, it became difficult to forgive for quickly it became difficult to forgive them completely you understand it became difficult not to hold grudges or walk in resentment or bitterness because of this anger it was causing a defect in my character and that's all i'm trying to get you to understand when it's perfect love listen you 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 not only do you form in your mental state but listen your character is developed properly because of love yes yeah, see it's, it's developed properly because of that aspect of the correction piece right there and see a lot of us we run and we shy away from the correction portion of love but this is one of the main things that you need in your life and see me and pastor ivan we were saying two things of the same coin right uh, I said, listen, you love me if you let me do what I want to do. He was like, you love me if you do what I want you to do. We were basically saying the same thing, just two variations of the same thing. But we both had a definition of what we thought love was to us. You got to come on. And see, you can see how perverted that thing was, how often backwards that thing was. It wasn't until we got the portion of correction added to our lives that this thing began to develop us, mold us, and shape us in our character. Now we can love on folk, right? Whether you give me what I want, allow me to do what I want, I still know that if you tell me the truth, you love me, 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 you, you, you understand? And, and whether folk do something for Pastor Ivan or not, listen, I, I know that you love me. <laughs> I, I know that you love that, That's all I'm trying to say. Our character we have allowed our character to be developed by and through love. So he's a perfect love that cast out fear, right? Uh, and not only that, definition number two for this word perfect in the Greek is also talking about wanting nothing necessary to feel 
complete. Oh, wanting nothing necessary to feel complete, right? And, and this is where folk get in trouble. Why they go looking for love in all the wrong places. And they got up every site on the internet now. And they got all these different profiles now because they're looking for love, right? Because it says no, wanting nothing, wanting nothing necessary to feel complete. Most of them feel it is necessary to be loved by someone of the opposite sex or if it's the same sex, whatever folks show boy, I'm just saying, I, I need to be loved by another individual in this eros, you understand? I need the eros to be on demonstration, but God is saying it's not about the eros. The eros is meant for the love or the marriage covenant, but what you need is the agape. When you keep tricking yourself or allowing yourself to be deceived by the enemy, that it is the eros that you need. And so now, if you ever get a good understanding of that, you can go and remove one of your 15 profiles. You understand? Blackpeople.com. You have for all the Christians mingle and all of these different things. I, I, listen, if that's what you do, then amen to you. I'm going to pray for you. understand what I'm saying? But he said, listen, in order for this stuff to be made perfect in my life, it says want nothing, want nothing necessary to feel complete. There is nothing else that I need other than him in order to feel complete. It's not the love of a woman. No, 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 no. Because guess what? You can be fired with your love. You can love me today, then tomorrow. You don't like my attitude or you don't like how I have to correct you. Then you'll find yourself talking about, I just like you today. Well, the devil is a lie. I know you ain't it because if you can't find yourself getting past all of my issues, knowing you got issues, you're not the one. You are not the one. Oh, get the step and, you know, get along with the get along game. That's what you need to do. Understand that right there. But listen, when I have him, I want nothing. I don't feel like there is anything necessary to feel complete. And again, that's where a lot of singles, uh, divorcees get in trouble because, you know, they feel like, well, I've been single for a good portion of time. I just want to get back in the game. I, <laughs> I just want with somebody to talk to. You know, I just want to be booed up. All these different things. And we know summertime is coming. Summertime is here. Folk been working on their summer bodies and all of these different things. It's nothing like working on your summer body than to have somebody to share your summer body with. You understand? And now it'll get you in trouble. It, it, it will get you in trouble. Listen, you don't need any of these things in order to feel complete if you have him. He said, listen, listen, listen. Right? Now, this is the thing. There are those recipients who feel like this is what they need. I, I, I just want somebody to love me. I, I'm tired of looking at everybody else married and, uh, and, I, 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 and I go home to my bed all by myself. I'm tired of rolling around in my bed by myself. I'm tired of putting a body pillow between my legs. I'm tired of having a body pillow lay up against my back. No, I want somebody real to lay next to me. Well, when you have him, You don't need these things to feel complete. That's why we, you find people saying things like, my soul made they complete me. What? What? If you ever had access to the soul of the person that you call your soulmate, and you see all the wounds, not just 
in their soul, but the ones on their soul, some of y'all would quickly pack your bags and you would head for the high heels. You'd be like, oh, I got to get away from this lonely tune. I got to get away from this dappy duck right here. Oh, the devil is a lie. I have got to run this, this, this lonely being right here and see what folks are good at. They're good at pretending. We are good at wearing masks and we will wear masks for as long as duration that we need to because part of us wearing a mask is we're pretending to be superheroes you know yeah we're trying to conceal our identity we don't want you to see the real us but part of that wearing of the mask is i want you to see that i'm your superhero i saved you from this life of singleness i saved you from all those heartbreaks that you had i'm not gonna do that to you. oh you are the seer you that's a lunatic tool underneath that mask <laughs> if you ever got a glimpse into their soul you'll see oh it is going to take jesus uh, it is going to take the father and it is going to take the holy spirit and he might need to send a couple of angels michael might need to come to the help with this one right here with all the issues they got going on in their soul some of us that was you that was you yes yes yeah but he also talks about to, to this this perfect love right cast out fear this this the other definition of the word perfect is talking about full grown or mature most of you your love Sure, you got that childish like love, that childish kind of love, childlike love, not in the aspect that your love is pure. No, but I'm talking about your love, it, no, it's, it's hard-headed. Your love is it's, it's rebellion. We, we, it, it, it frustrates the other person that you're in relationship with because it's not mature. It has not grown up yet. No, it's that love that, no, it's all about me. Me, 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 me. I want this, this, this. Do this for me, 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 me. That is that childish type of love. You need to tell someone somebody grow up in your love your love needs to mature you need to allow your love to become an adult yes 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 he said when i was a child i did foolish things and i did childish things but when i became an adult I, a man i put away those childish things but some of you you are a full-grown individual but you're still demonstrating childlike love or childish love your your, your the, how you love on folk the behavior of your love demonstrated it is it is it's a reflection of that of a child and I'm not talking about that pure love, that child that knows they came out of this mother's womb and this is their father, where the only thing they want to do is reach up and embrace them. The only thing they want to do is love on them and kiss them and be in there. I'm not talking about that kind of love. I'm talking about that. You know they tolerate you. They put up with me. I can sit right here. I can throw a man trunk. Oh, for the men that want to throw these tip or tantrum. You know they love you. They're committed to the I do that they gave you. So you could just act a slam fool. You need to stop throwing these mantras. That is you being childish in a demonstration of your love. And women, you might not be throwing no tantrums. Uh, oh, but you know how you do. You know how you do. You go, you go mess with us in the bedroom department. Me, yeah, uh, you you being childish. I don't care if you don't like what I say. Still do what you know God called you to do. Uh, I don't care if you went to work eight hours and twelve hours and this sixteen hour shit. This is what you signed up for. Stop acting childish. I'm tired of hearing about how many days you have to work and how many hours you have to work. Don't nobody care about that. You know what God called you to before we both said I do. Yeah, we both knew God said we were gonna have this amount of chore. Stop complaining and just go do it. We got to do stop acting childish in your love and you need to command your love to grow up adults take care of responsibilities mature adults they take care of their responsibilities mature adults are accountable to the things that have been placed in their hands 
It is your duty. Oh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I might get in trouble. It is your duty to give up the booty. Yes, you have got to be accountable in this regard. Yeah, I'm talking to both of y'all, man and woman. It is part of your duty. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. So you need to stop acting funny. We're tired of hearing about you, Tyre. Listen, your head hurt. Take some Tylenol and get in here and do what you got to do. You, you understand? Oh, y'all don't y'all y'all want to play these games, but I'm not. No, no. We talking about the love of God being on display. Stop throwing these tantrums. So your love has to grow up. It has to grow up, right? So he says, perfect love. When it's a, a full-grown love, when it's a mature love, it casts out fear, it drives it out, it expels it. Say if fear has no residence here anymore, it can no longer abide in this relationship anymore. It can't abide in our conversation. We are on the same wavelength because we are of one mind. We are on one accord. It can no longer abide in this relationship. Why? Because perfect love, a responsible love, right? An accountable love, a pure love, a willful love, a sacrificial love that is intentional is on display. It is an operation. So the enemy has no space. The enemy has no place to occupy in this relationship. And it's not just spouses. We're talking about with your brother. Even if me and my brother had a misunderstanding or disagreement, a disagreement is not going to stop us from coming together. If you allow a disagreement from, from allowing y'all to come together, baby, your love is immature. It is childish. It is a childish love. It is a childish love. So what? You hit the wrong note. If, if, if they had to correct you, say, listen, your note was off. And praise the word, your note was off. I need you to get your voice right. I need you to take care of your voice throughout the week. Stop eating all the cheese and, and all the yogurt and drinking all the milk. Drink some hot tea because your note was off. What you going to be offended for when they're telling you the truth? To tell you the truth is an expression of demonstration of love. But I get it. Uh, we are first inclined to become offended by the truth that they just spoke to us. When you know it's the truth. You don't like who had to say it to you. Well, they had to say it to you because you were unwilling to say it to yourself. Hmm. You know what I found out about God? God is not in the business of telling what you would tell, but God most certainly would tell what you're unwilling to tell. See, uh, see, when you have no problem telling what needs to be told, meaning confession, then God ain't got to speak to nobody about you. It's what you want to hold on to, that secret that God becomes willing to tell somebody. And I'm willing to tell them your secret because I love you. I see the damage that this secret, because wherever there's darkness, a secret represents darkness, Satan has the right to rule. This secret, this darkness, it is damaging your life so i'm going to tell someone so they can come and confront you about it we hate confrontation uh, but what i found out about god god loves us enough that he challenges us uh, he convicts us he confronts us all to change us yes confrontation is a part of god's methodology yes it is uh, just like conviction is a part of god's methodology but challenging you is a part of his methodology all to bring you to the place of change yes it is yes it is so why do you keep allowing yourself to get offended or operate in defense when god sends someone to confront it ain't necessarily you but he's confronting that darkness that simple thing in your life you just happen to be the carrier of this darkness and you take it personal listen 
we already know Jesus told us offenses are going to come. <laughs> yeah, offenses are going to come. It's inevitable. They're going to come. No matter, no matter if we say in a polite what's hey, you you listen, you you didn't do that right. Hey, you could you please change that? No matter if we put please in, 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 in what we bring to you, you still are going to be upset enough. Just as angry as you would be if you thought we yelled at you. You need to change. You will be just as angry and upset if I said, hey, please, can you change? You need to change this. You would be just as angry. The fact that somebody had to say something to you about an area of your life that you thought was right. Mm. We're talking about a childish love. He said, but perfect love casts out fear because fear have torment. So understand, when there was fear in the relationship, guess what? The, late, the relationship is now put to a place of strain because of the torment. The torment, right? And torment is simply defined as this right here. It, there was a cause to experience, cause to experience severe mental or physical suffering. And when you look at the different relationships or the relationships that you're not participating in, that you should be operating and participating in, there is a level of severe mental strain. If I can go ahead and be honest, see the Lord told me and Pastor Ivor years ago how close we were supposed to be, but there was something called distance that we did not allow ourselves to become close because he was in Greensboro before he moved here. We allowed distance to hinder that closest. But listen, distance it can't stop you from being close with folk because when you think about where god the father abides in the third heaven seated upon his throne and you are down here in the earth realm but listen you are close to god right so we understand distance does not stop you from being close to folk but this is what we allow the enemy to use or we allow the enemy to give us the excuse we're too busy you're doing this they've done that and they got this on their plate he got this on his plate he got to do this 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 we allow the excuses from the enemy to make us feel like we could not be in the relationship that God said. Do you know every time we would see each other, one of the first things we would say, man, we got to do better. That is mental suffering. The fact that we have to think about we are not operating or walking out what God said, it causes us to suffer mentally. Like, oh my God, like how long am I going to keep not doing what God says I'm supposed to do? We should have been close. We should have been talking. We should have been having conversation. We should have been telling each other the truth. We should have been praying for one another. But the fact that we let all these excuses, these deceptions that the enemy would speak to us get in the way it hindered the relationship that we were supposed to walk in so it was tormenting us now we might not have had no physical suffering as of yet but who knows who knows we don't know we didn't necessarily go and track our suffering physically and, and look at it in this regards i know some of my mental anguish came from this right here and, and the truth be told i can now i can go i don't know about him but i can go as far as to say i know some of my physical suffering the back pain that I would experience. Listen, it ain't never because you're angry. And, and, and all the time, sometimes it ain't you just mad at the devil. Sometimes you're mad at yourself for the fact that you're not doing or being who God called you to be, right? And there is no change. So I'm mad at me because I'm not walking in the change that I'm supposed to be or should be walking in at this juncture of my life. And so some days I'm mad at me, right? And that 
anger houses itself in, in, in your back, right? The, the Bible lets us know that anger is housed in the bosom of a fool. So the truth be told, we were acting so foolish, uh, allowing ourselves to be deceived by the enemy. We were being fooled and acting foolish that, that hey, that, what was wrong with the phone? Even though he's in Greensboro, you're in Charlotte, what's wrong with the phone? Uh, that ain't stopped y'all. We just didn't call, right? And so we wanted to walk in guilt. There you go, that mental suffering again when we came into the presence of one another and, and the presence of God would convict us about why are y'all not doing what I'm y'all supposed to do, right? And, and you understand, bro, man, we you constantly repenting but not changing. The last time I checked, repentance was a true changing of the mind and going in a different direction. But, bro, I repent, man. We got to do better. Like, you know what I'm saying? We're tired of that foolishness. We're tired of you apologizing and repenting and not changing. And see, that's what we were doing. We were apologizing and we were repenting to one another and repenting to God and still not changing. It took us years before we walked it out causing us mental anguish or mental suffering, right? So this is what? Uh, 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 love, perfect love casts out fear because fear have torment. It has torment. So one of the expressions of fear, it's not just an expression for you to actually be afraid, but one of the other expressions of fear is that of torment. Anguish, whether it's mentally or physically. Pain, the strain that you feel. That, that comes from fear. He said, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. It doesn't in fear. He said, you have not been made perfect. You have not been brought to a place of completion, a place of maturity in God. You have not been brought to this place in love if there's any fear. And he says what? We love him because he first loved us. Reciprocity. Reciprocity. Look at this. Reciprocity. You were able to love because he first loved you. If God would have made a decision not to love you, you would not even know how to love. Even if your love is perverted, you still know how to love because he first loved you. Did you hear what I say? If he would have made a decision not to love you and all the foolishness that you've done towards him, because the least you do unto one of them you do that unto me. You did that to me. If God would have ever made a decision to stop loving you, do you understand? Your, your comprehension, your ability to love would just fall off. You would just have no understanding of it at all. If God would have never made the choice to love you, you understand love. You're able to walk in it, though for some of us it's perverted. Meaning it's just twisted a little bit. For example, I don't condone it. It is sin. But when you see uh, people of the LGBTQ and QRS and plus minus equal sign, all these folk, because I don't know what, what, all, what they got, the number one, number three, number 10, I don't know. I want to make sure I include everything in their stuff. Listen, when you see these folk loving on somebody, it's not that they can't love, it's just perverted. Something in their understanding or something in the definition regarding love is twisted. It's not right. So they're not seeing or operating in love correctly. That doesn't mean that they don't love this person that they're with. They're just loving them the wrong way or in the wrong manner. It is supposed to be an agape love on display rather than an eros love. And Pastor Ivan touched on that a little bit, right? But listen, do you understand you're able to love because he first loved you? 
He said, if a man say, I love God and hate of his brother, because how many times you broke up? I love God. I love God. I can't stand her. Brother, brother Blue Coat get on my nerves. Sister Red Dress, and she a liar. All she, all she do is gossip. If a man say, I love God and hate of his brother, right? He said, that, that hate of his brother, denoting if you detest them, do you know somebody can you relate? There are a couple of folks you detest. You can't stand them. Right? Uh, if a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is what? A liar. A liar. Liar in the Greek is defined simply as number one, a liar, meaning you tell un untruths. <laughs> there is no truth coming out of your mouth. Or, Second definition for the word lie in the Greek is simply talking about one, one who breaks faith. A faithless man or a faithless woman. One who is not faithful. Who is not, who is not walking in, in, in fidelity. You, you know what I'm saying? You, you only know how to be, be an infidel. That's, that's all. You only know how to be an infidel. Walking through fidelity. To be a liar means you are not faithful it's, it's what he's saying is you're breaking faith you have not tied yourself to truth you have broken away from truth and an expression or demonstration of love is true anytime i allow myself to become a liar i break away from truth i i, I don't want it i don't i don't want it and you go acting like a baby again like like truth is some nasty vessel yeah I, I don't want it and we got god got you should see god in heaven god for some of y'all god got a little phone with the airplane yeah, come on eat this truth yeah. i act like a little baby like he gotta make airplane noises to feed you this truth stop it and just eat the food it's good for you eat the truth it's good for you it's a shame God up here doing all this stuff, making funny faces to get you to laugh just to eat this truth. Gotta make you feel good. Tell you all, gotta tell you 15 things to make you feel good before he can give you a spoonful of truth. Oh, baby, baby, come on, daddy, baby. Come on, mommy, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. But some of y'all, you sitting there singing and all kind of stuff. Clap, 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 clap. Hallelujah. <laughs> I ain't messing with nobody. That's a good thing. Baby, you keep on singing. Yes, you do. You keep on singing. I just use that as an illustration. Because some of us, we got to sing to get them to eat. You got to act all out of character just to give folks the truth. Should not be that way. For a baby? What? A baby that can't even talk yet? What? A baby that can't feed themselves, that is depending on you? You got to act all out of character to give them truth? What is really happening? He said, if a man say he loved God and hated his brother, he is a liar. He is a man or a woman that has broken away from truth or faith. You've broken away from love. He said, for he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen. Uh, he said, oh, come on. You can see your brother. You can see your sister. Yes, you can. Uh, but the one you say you love is God who you've never 
seen. You have never seen him with your own two eyes. You've never seen him. But with your own two eyes, you saw your sister. With your own two eyes, you saw your brother. With your own two eyes, you see your wife. And with your own two eyes, you see your children. And with your own two eyes, you see your husband. And with your own two eyes, you see your cousin that touched you. And with your own two eyes, you see your uncle that molested you. But, but you're talking about you love God who you've never seen. But the one you can see. The one you can see, right? You struggle with loving the one you can see. But you want us to believe the one you can't see? Uh, can we go ahead and be real? Me, I've been saved a good portion now. I, 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 I should be right at about 20 years, uh, uh, maybe 21 years. I'm going to have to go back and check and see, right? But but I've been sold out a good long time. But even though I've been sold out along this journey, there have been times that I've questioned, mm, is he real? <laughs> or is this just a figment of my imagination? Am I just making all of this up in my head? You know, did he really speak to me? Did I really hear what I believe I heard what I say God spoke to me? Uh, did I really have that encounter? I know I experienced something, but I really have. Did I really have that encounter? How do I know the things that I know? That's regarding the one I can't see. But the ones that you can see and touch and them touch you back, you struggle with. But the one you can't see, can't touch, but he can show them to touch you if he desires to. I love God. I ain't got no problem with God. Me and God, we cool. That's my dog. For some of you, that, that, that's my homeboy. Jesus is my homeboy. You know, before we got a good understanding, you know, some of us would approach like that. My homeboy, Jesus, my dog. What's up, man? The man upstairs, the big man upstairs. Ah, get out of here with all this worldly terminology. He tells you how to address him. It's the one you can't see that you struggle with, but that's the one you claim you love. It's the ones that you do see that you're struggling with. He said, and, and, and this commandment have we from him, that he loveth God, that he who loveth God love his brother. So if you love God, you have to love your brother. Simply put, he's saying, if you don't love your brother or your sister, it is impossible to love God. If you are created in my image, if you are my image that dwells in the earth realm, if you have a problem with how I look through Sister Red Dress, or if you have a problem with how I look through Brother Blue Shoes, and you're not loving on them right, don't you tell nobody that you love God. So I'll tell you, you can shout hallelujah all you want. You can glory at that. You can, you can shabak all you want. You can catch a quick in it 15 times. All of that. But if you don't love your brother or your sister, he said it's impossible to love God. Now, I'm not saying you can't have an issue with folk. You can have an issue with folk and still love them. But for most of us, because we don't know how to have proper healthy relationship, we do not know how to love beyond the issue. The issue has brought a great divide between us, and we no longer love them like that. You are now just abiding in the place of like, I like them. And then you keep telling yourself, well, like is the prerequisite with the love. 
my Bible just told me we love him because he first loved us. It didn't say we love him because God started off liking us. Then he eventually got to the place where he loved us. No, God started off with love. He didn't start with no liking you. You're the one who want to give a 12-step program to get to love. Well, I first, I first got to like you. I first got to tolerate you. I first got to learn how to deal with you. No, God said, I love you. That's why you're able to love back. Reciprocity, no. If somebody loves you, you're supposed to give it back. And if you can't love on those that you see your brother and sister, don't you dare say you love God. Because I'm going to go the opposite of what, uh, uh, what Erica Campbell told you. Something is wrong with you. If you don't love them and you holler about you love God, something is wrong with you. Oh, something is wrong with you. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and tell you. Listen, in our, in, our, in our culture, you can't be afraid to go get some help about your mental. Because if you got a problem with your sister and brother, you tell me, I can't stand it. You're not doing them. And you have about, I love the Lord. I lead the first in my life. You a lie. It is impossible to love him if you fail to love your sister and brother. It is a lie. You have broken away from the truth. You have broken away from faith. And what a deception that you're walking in. So listen, I encourage you to take the limit off. Fear is that limit that is trying to hinder you. It is that limit that torments you. It is that limit that prevents you from having healthy, whole, proper relationships inside your family as well as inside your, your, your church family. God wants you to have healthy relationships. And he's, he's utilizing the church to show you how to go have healthy relationships in your natural family. And see, that's the thing, too. Some of y'all love the church folk more than you love your natural family. Oh, you, I said it. Yeah. Some of you have better relationship with the church folk than you have with your actual family. Because they can understand who God calls you and what God calls you to. And they just can't believe they thought you was in a cult and all kind of stuff. And so now you have issues with them. And for some of you, you actually love the church folk more than you love your church family. Problem. God is trying to use the church family to show you how to go level on your natural family. Oh, do you know somebody? Can you relate? Issues in the family. This is why you ain't excited to go home. This is why you ain't excited to go to the family reunion. This is why you ain't excited to go to the Thanksgiving gathering. Because I'm, I'm sick. I can't stand my cousin. Get on my nerves. All of y'all can pray, though. Meaning all y'all know how to run y'all mouth talking about y'all praying. But can't nobody run their mouth and apologize and get it right? They love on each other, right? There's a problem. Listen, take the limit off. Take fear off. Stop letting fear hinder you in Jesus' name. Amen.